Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Mike Ingersoll. Going to be touching on several different football topics today. But before we get to that, Mike, how's life treating you lately, man? Life's treating me pretty good. Um, we got a bunch of pro bono stuff going on at work right now. We've we've done some good things for some people that really needed it recently. So it was uh, been a fulfilling couple of weeks now, um, at least on the uh, from my professional side. But as far as as far as everything else, Carolina, I mean things are going good right now. We're kind of in a lull, but you know the news cycle is picking up. So you know there's there's some things to talk about, and and I'm looking forward to getting into it right now with you. Absolutely. Let's actually jump right into it, Mike. Let's start with the comments that Coach Fedora made last week at the ACC Media Day. Now, Greg Barnes of Inside Carolina talked about this with Tommy Ashley. That was kind of a immediate in the aftermath. Since then, I think that things have kind of calmed down and come into a little bit more focus on that. There's been several people that have come out and said, you know, look, while Fedora may, that may not have been the best avenue for discussing this, that there was actually a lot to back up his take on things. So what was your perspective first off when you initially heard it? And then what do you think about the situation now? Well, I mean, I had the same hot takes as everybody else. It was, you know, what, what the hell is Larry thinking? Um, You know, and not what the hell is he thinking with his opinion? It's, you know, why is that the forum to do it? And media days and the reason why that may not necessarily be the forum to, to have that conversation with, with the public is, you know, media days are, it's 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 a much much ado about nothing right i mean it's a lot of tom brady-esque quotes so it's 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 a lot of words but there's really no substance you know questions it's your standard questions coach how are you getting ready for the season and hey what guys are, are you impressed with and who do you expect to have a breakout year and it's a whole bunch of you know it's a lot of like standard form questions with a lot of non-answers and, and it, it it creates a slow news cycle it creates a a slow news day really and and if you give the media anything that's remotely controversial or that can be twisted is because I don't think what coach Fedora said was controversial in the least bit, but if you give them something that can be twisted that way, I mean, if I'm a reporter, I'm going to run with that too, because I mean, like, look, I need clicks. I need, I need site traffic. I need, I need people to, to be reading my stuff and, and, and my employer needs people to be reading our stuff. So, you know, that's, he, he was a victim. He fell victim to a slow news day. And I wouldn't have advised him to make those comments there, though I wouldn't advise him not to make those comments. Um, you know, in the days since, you know, you've now seen the the hot takes have slowed down a little bit and the more reasoned opinions are coming out. And, 
you know, what I'll say is as far as what he said, the, the substance of what Fedora said, it, listen, CTE right now is perpetuated in, in the media and there's a, the narrative surrounding it is that there's, you know, football leads to brain injury, leads to inability to control yourself, leads to killing yourself or killing your family. And that's right now, the science doesn't back that up. The science actually backs up what Coach Fedora said. All of this research right now is in its infancy. It was a questionable series of comments to make uh, in light of uh, his employer in that the University of North Carolina also employs Kevin Guskowitz, who sort of started all this CTE research with football. Um, and a lot of it kind of got you know, ramped up back in 2006 when uh, we started putting sensors on our helmets and measuring G-force and, and all that, trying to understand the impacts of concussive blows and things like that. So Dr. Guskowitz started this thing. And you know, to, to come from the head football coach of the University of North Carolina, where the guy who kind of started all this research uh, is also employed, just it, it, it's, it seems like a, a mixed, mixed messages. But even, even Kevin would tell you that this research and, and everything is in its infancy, and we don't really know enough about it to have opinions as strongly as the media would like to, to make. Um, you know, that Will Smith movie, Concussion, was, was highly entertaining. Um, it was a little skewed. Uh, you know, one thing to remember, too, is, you know, yeah, most football players might have trace amounts of CTE, uh, but the only way we can figure that out right now is through autopsies, which requires a dead subject. And in order to get a brain in order to autopsy, to determine whether there was CT in it, the brain has to be donated. And the people that, the types of people who donate their brains to have that stuff looked at and, and checked out for CTE or the families that agree to have their, their loved one's brain examined usually have a, a, an expectation in life that there may be something wrong. And that's, that creates a little bit of uh, research bias in and of itself. So, you know, I don't disagree with what Coach Fedora said. I disagree with the uh, with the method of delivery. I disagree with the form of delivery. But as far as the comments, I mean, he's the the rah rah. America is going to you know go down the drain if you know football is done away with. I mean, I I believe in the game of football. Football gave me a ton, and I I believe it teaches the types of values that young people should be learning. So if that's if that's what Coach Fedora meant by that, if it was a moral fabric type of thing, if it was a life lesson kind of thing, football is a game being a teacher for young people that will adversely affect the country. Well, I agree with that. But as everything else that was rah-rah about it, you know, I don't, I, that, that's neither here nor there to me. But the science of it, the substance of his comments, you know, listen, it, the science backs up what he said. And, you know, hopefully we can all move on now. There'll, there'll, be, there'll be more quotable things come training camp, I promise you. Yeah, there definitely will be. And with North Carolina as well, there's a bit of the beaten dog syndrome where the media knows that Carolina's had some rough years with yes. the NCAA and they're very quick to jump on it. And as we saw, there was even more red meat thrown to the dogs in that UNC announced that there were secondary violations, self-reported. And this is something, Mike, that anyone that actually follows college football knows. There are thousands of secondary violations that get self-reported every single year to the NCAA. But a lot of people saw oh, North Carolina's in some sort of trouble with, with the NCAA again, and predictably, a lot of headlines were made over that. Now, that's not to diminish what actually happened in this case at all, but I think at this point, it's fair to say that all we have real information on is that apparently some items were sold by members of the football team. Carolina is going back and forth with the NCAA on that, and that's basically all that we have. Well, I'm going to go ahead and diminish the significance of this and tell everybody to chill out. 
This, <laughs> what, what happened here, I mean, seriously, what happened here was, from what I understand, guys got some Jordans. Um, you know, the reason it was noticeable was that somebody was wearing a pair of them on television as they were walking into an NBA locker room pregame. Um, some ESPN was filming somebody walking in. I can't remember who it was, a high-profile player, uh, walking into the locker room before an NBA regular season game. They had them on their feet, and turns out the guy got them off the internet, and they traced the, you know, where he got them off the internet to – uh, where that guy, that uh, secondary market seller, where he got them from, turns out he got them from, you know, one of the players. And the reason why that was such a big deal, especially to Nike, was because there were only a you know, hundred some odd pair of those shoes made. Um, they were made just for us. They were a limited release only for the UNC football team. You can't buy them in stores. So they stuck out like a sore thumb. There was really no way to hide it. You know, guys sold them to make a little bit extra money. 10 years ago, it was a little bit different. We obviously didn't have cost of living stipends. We didn't have unlimited meals. We didn't have, you know, some of the things that, that these guys have now from a financial standpoint, but they're still not, you know, raking in dough. They're, they're still not uh, living lavish lives and they might need some extra money for some food. They might need some extra money to send home, maybe some extra money for some clothes. They might just need some extra money for, you know, in case they need extra money uh, for down the road. And if you got a pair of shoes, you can get a thousand bucks for on a secondary market. Listen, I- I'm going to tell you right now, there's going to be a lot of guys selling their shoes, especially now that Air Jordan has gotten into college football world, Oklahoma, Florida, now, uh, you know, Carolina, Michigan, you're going to be seeing these player exclusive shoes out on the out on the secondary market a lot more frequently than I think most people want to want to believe. And whether or not schools catch it, self-report it, whatever. Listen, it's this happened from what I understand months and months and months and months ago. I believe the timeline was right after the spring semester started is when all this, you know, kicked back up. So we're talking like January, February time. It's been a long time. Carolina self-reported it. They've been dealing with it. That's why Bubba's kind of nonchalant in all of his comments about it. This, this is spilled milk. This is something that's, that they've been addressing for a while now, and I'm sure they already have a solution in place. The media coverage is exactly is the result of exactly what you said. You know, Carolina right now is a beaten dog, and you see Carolina makes a mistake. It's gonna get it's gonna get blown up in the media. It's gonna make front page headlines, and you know, no publicity is or there's no such thing as bad publicity. But you know, at this point, it seems kind of. Number one, it's a ho-hum secondary violation. These sorts of things happen all the time. This is nothing new to college football. It's nothing new to to any program. But it's also kind of ho-hum right now for Carolina because it's, you know, UNC and NCAA violations is sort of becoming white noise. Um, And this is certainly something to not get up in arms over. So I'll tell everybody, again, just chill out. This really isn't a big deal. And it's been, it's actually happened and been handled for quite some time now. It's just now coming out. But this, this particular event is nothing new for Carolina. It's not like it just happened. Yeah, and from what we understand is that UNC is hopeful that there will be no suspensions, anything like that as a result of the self-reported violation, but that's still to be determined at, at this point. Looking at it from a player perspective, Mike, having gone through and it, you know, when news came down that, hey, the NCAA is looking around and things like that, how do you think this will impact the potential locker room now that the season is less than six weeks away? Well, I mean, if guys get suspended, it's you know going to be sort of a repeat of the past, right? I mean, this is this this is what ended up happening to us back in going into the 2010 season was we had everybody, and then one day uh, we all went to sleep. We woke up the next day, and half of our locker room was suspended. Um, you know, if that's if that's what ends up happening here, then the you know, listen from a player's perspective, it'll be kind of a kick to the gut, but the coaches will have a plan, and the players will adjust. I mean, there's there's I'll tell you what, there's guys in the depth chart right now 
that are sitting there looking at this saying, well, so-and-so who's in front of me ends up getting suspended. I'm going to go in and play and I'm going to do my thing. So there's, from a player's perspective, it's just next man up. I mean, you're going to, you're going to deal with it, how you're going to deal with it and just hope, you know, these guys get back in time for conference play and it doesn't affect them too, too negatively. But that's, I mean, that's worst case scenario. Again, you self-report things to the NCAA as a, you know, preemptive strike, right? To, to go ahead and try and take the sting out of, take the sting out of it. And uh, usually the NCAA will reward you with, uh, you know, no suspensions or fines or things like that. With this being Carolina, again, the beaten dog thing, I don't know. I don't know how to, I'm sure the NCAA right now looks, looks upon us with a little disfavor. But, um, you know, again, this is standard protocols to self-report these things. It usually keeps schools out of trouble, keeps guys on the field or, or on the court. And hopefully the same thing will happen here. But if it, if it does end up resulting in suspensions as close to camp, listen, I mean, training camp is the longest month of the year for everybody. And everyone will adjust and everyone will be fine and they'll be ready come, come game time uh, week one. So it's really nothing to get up in arms over. I was going to say, let's actually get your perspective here, Mike. If you need to put on your conspiracy hat for a little bit, I'll definitely <laughs> my, allow it. My tinfoil hat, sure. Exactly. How much faith do you have that the NCAA will come down with a ruling, let's just say, even before the game against California? Or do you think it may be a situation where, like you said, the players wake up and all of a sudden guys just are either not on the plane or they're told they're not going to play? Well, the only thing I have to go off is personal experience. And, and the last time, you know, we got in some trouble, it, the NCAA drug their feet. I don't know if they're going to drag their feet this time. I think they'd probably want to just get this handled. But what I will say is that if it got self-reported back at the beginning of the spring semester, like I'm pretty sure it did, there have already been wheels in motion for a while. So from the time this got, you know, reported and blown up publicly, from that point forward, we actually may have a quick ruling. But from the time that this started back in the early spring, you know, till now, that obviously isn't a quick ruling. That's not a quick resolution. That's taken months and months and months. The good news is this didn't, ha- this didn't happen right now, like it's being reported. This happened a while ago. So again, there are wheels that have been in motion. There are processes that have been taking place that hopefully this will result in some sort of resolution before camp. But if if I had to bet, I mean, listen, I've said it before and I'll continue to say it. I am no fan of the NCAA. I don't give them the benefit of the doubt on anything. And I would say they're probably going to drag this out to, you know, as, as a way to secondarily punish Carolina for um, the punishment they weren't able to levy after the academic stuff, um, you know, after we got off on the academic stuff here recently, they'll probably take this as an opportunity to give us a black eye since they didn't have the rules in place to do it before. So that's my conspiracy theory. Practically what I think is going to happen, the NCAA is going to want to get past this and get over it because they have a million other things to worry about. And if they were smart, they would just go ahead and do what they're going to do and and let it be. Well, the NCAA and making, you know, quick, intelligent rulings, it's kind of an oxymoron at this point. Yeah, that's like Jumbo Shrimp. That's not, that's, not, that's not their thing. Reasoned, logical decisions that follow their precedent is not the NCAA's forte. Yeah, and you know it's gotten them into some trouble before. But let's go ahead, Mike, and wrap this thing up. We mentioned that the start of the season is less than six weeks away now. You said that the summer training camp is, is the hardest part of the year. Let's get into that a little bit. So if you're a player right now, August is about to start, which means that the start of camp is just literally right around the corner. You know, what's your mental and kind of physical game plan going into this start of of the season, really? Well, you're wrapping up summer workouts and you're kind of excited that summer workouts are wrapping up because you're tired, you're beat down a little bit. And the way that Carolina's summer schedule works out is some schools actually have, uh, they get a couple of weeks off at the beginning of the summer 
and then their summer school schedule actually bleeds into training camp. We don't have that problem at UNC. Both of our summer school sessions end with about a week or 10 days to spare, typically, depending on how the coaches want to schedule the first day of camp. But usually anywhere between seven to 10 days, the players will get off before training camp. So following the last day of workouts and the first day of camp, there's a gap there. Uh, sort of a recovery period to kind of decompress a little bit before you come back for training camp. But, you know, there's butterflies right now. At the end of the summer, you know, the seniors are going into this, understanding this is the last time they're ever going to do it. The juniors are going into it thinking this is when I'm going to start getting recruited for the league if I, you know, if I haven't been getting scouted already. And there's going to be scouts at practice and there's going to be things like that. And everybody is cognizant of that. So, you know, you're, you're getting a little nervous from that perspective, but you're also nervous because you want to perform well and you want to get ready for this season because that's the thing that really matters is winning games and getting ready for the Cal game. So it, there's always questions in your mind, you know, am I ready? How's this camp going to go? Am I going to get hurt? My God, it's going to be so hot out there. Um, so, you know, on the one hand, you try not to think about camp. On the other hand, you can't stop thinking about it. So it's right now is when the butterflies are coming, but there's also excitement because summer workouts are over and summer workouts are hard. And, you know, you have a little bit of a break coming up. You're going to have some recovery time. Uh, which you you know these guys have certainly earned, but you know there, there's also that little voice in the back of your head telling you I better stay in shape for that little break I have because training camp's going to come and it's not going to be easy. Day one, I better be ready to go. So that's what it is right now. It's it's you're playing mental games with yourself. You're kind of flip flopping between not wanting to think about it and thinking about it too much. And you know really at the end of the day, there's nothing that can prepare you for the first day of training camp because training camp is horrible. It's the worst time of the year. And the only way you actually can handle it is once you're in it. And there's no way to mentally prepare for it because it's going to come hit you in the teeth no matter what. And actually, that reminded me of my final question here, Mike. Uh, I almost completely left this one out, but it's something that's been kind of at the back of my mind. How quickly into the camp do you think that the coaching staff will start implementing the game plan for Cal? Is that something that they will basically start with like day one, week one, or would they wait for people to get kind of into a groove? That's a good question. And the way that we've always done it um, everywhere that I've been, whether it's high school, college pros, we always waited until about uh, 10 days to really two weeks before the first game. You start gradually putting some stuff in. You have one period in practice over a course of a two and a half hour practice. You'll have 15, 20 minutes of install against. Well, you know, we'll get the scout team together. That's the first time there will be a scout team. You know, understand that during training camp, you got the ones, the twos, and the threes, and they play, you know, the one O plays the one D and the two O plays the two D and the three O plays the three D. And that's what you do for the first few weeks of camp because you're trying to figure out who you have. That's the time when you have some guys that sort of break through the depth chart and start climbing their way up that you didn't expect and other guys falling off. So you, you give yourselves as a team, you give yourselves about two weeks to let that stuff play out and sort itself out. The final two weeks of camp, that very first day of that two-week uh, two window, you take a 15, 20-minute period and you start installing against the scout team what you, you know, the fronts that you expect to see, the stuff you've seen on film. And then every single day you build up. You, know, you go from 15 minutes to 25 minutes to 30 minutes. Then you got half the practice is, is preparing. And then about a week out, you start treating it like, you know, your normal game week and you start preparing, installing the real game plan. But you, what you really do, is, you know, starting that two weeks out is just get guys familiar with with everything and you use it as an extra opportunity to number one, work on your fundamentals and work on your technique and do all the things you need to do. That's what training camp is for. But it's like an added it's, it's an opportunity to kind of steal some extra practices on your opening opponent. And with a team like Cal, you know, it's a power five school, it's a Pac-12 school. We're going out there. You know, that's that's invaluable when you got a big time opponent like that. They're going to do the same thing going into the uh, to the Auburn game for the Chick-fil-A kickoff game that we're going to have coming up that just got announced, which is pretty exciting. They're going to be doing the same thing. It'll they'll treat it the same way. About two weeks out, you start prep and about a week out, you really treat it like a game week. So that's what they'll do. 
Very nice. All right, Mike, thanks for talking with me, man. We will definitely get together a couple more times as the season gets closer. Oh, hey, and let me go ahead and put this plug in for any alumni that are listening, Football Letterman alumni. The first home game, we'll talk about this. Obviously, I'll, I'll plug it again after we go through our uh, post-game podcast after week two. But the uh, the first home game is actually UCF week three of the season. Garrett Reynolds does a great job of putting on a, uh, a tailgate guys tailgate for all the football lettermen. All you guys, we, we sent out a big email, but if you didn't get an email about it, please reach out to myself or Garrett or Matt Merletti or someone and get set up with coming to that tailgate. All the fans, obviously, you will have a bunch of Carolina alumni around. The tailgate itself is, op- is open only to lettermen, but obviously you'll see guys around. You can talk to them and all that if you want to come up. It's right there in front of Keenan Stadium, right in front of the Choo Choo Justice statue. It's a great thing. So uh, you Letterman, if you haven't gotten the email, reach out to Garrett, Matt Merletti, or myself, and, and we'll get you set up. All right. Everyone out there, stay tuned for more Inside Carolina coverage. Mike, take it easy, man. Have yeah, a good thanks, one. John. Yeah, you too. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports. Your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Some brands offer you low finance, or cashback, or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance, or cashback, or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar, with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie.